Our institutions have become corrupt. Unconstitutional agencies are infringing on your rights. What will it take for you to open your eyes to the tyranny at hand? You're an American born with unalienable rights, yet those rights are being trampled every day by unelected busybodies. Your liberty was secured by strong men and women of yesterday. Are you willing to let it slip away? You're listening to the Dangerous Info Podcast with Jesse James. Jesse James. Jesse James, come on, Jesse. Jesse James, you must be Jesse James. I'm ready right now. Time is a wasted, 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 wasted. So in 1913, the Federal Reserve Act was passed. 20 years later, 1933, under Roosevelt, the United States was declared bankrupt. And in 1933, the Federal Reserve Private Bank says, okay, USA, what are you gonna pledge as collateral on the debt you owe me? What happened by 1936, does anybody know? We instituted social security system and you and I and our children and our children's children were pledged as collateral on the debt of our government to the Federal Reserve. And that's where we're at today. Took 20 years to make this country bankrupt and since then our government has operated under emergency powers of our government. It is not the president that makes the decision in this country. It's the secretary of treasury who turns around and is put in there by the Federal Reserve to manage the bankruptcy. We've been in bankruptcy ever since. So to print $700 billion and to give it away, how do they get away with it? The manager of the bankruptcy is told by the Federal Reserve, this is the way to go. That's where we're at today. What is the uh, proper relationship? What should be the proper relationship between a chairman of the Fed and a president of the United States? Well, first of all, the Federal Reserve is an independent agency. And that means basically that uh, there is no other agency of government which can overrule actions that we take. So long as that is in place and there is no evidence that the administration or the Congress or anybody else is uh, requesting that we do things other than what we think is the appropriate thing, then what the relationships are uh, don't frankly matter. Notice what Greenspan is saying. Greenspan is saying the Federal Reserve is beyond the law. And in reality, they are in practice beyond the law. Nobody, as far as I know, has ever audited the Federal Reserve. One of the first things we ought to do when we nationalize the Fed is go in there and find out the audit. Who stole money? Who engaged in corruption? There's a whole series of people going back to Volcker, to Greenspan, to Bernanke, uh, and so forth. Yes, everybody. Mm. 
It is Thursday, Thursday afternoon, middle of December. It's December 15th, 2022. Oh, it's so nice and easy. And this is episode 71. It's a big one we've been waiting for for a long time, probably a couple of months in the making with Dr. Laura Sanger. This is the attack of the Nephilim hosts. Yep, just what that guy was talking about right there. The Federal Reserve Nephilim. Remember, you guys, they are engineering global famine and using weather weapons to control our weather. Are you guys fed up yet? If not, you better be. Outcast, how you doing there, brother? It's the middle of the month. Brother, I am <laughs> fed up. <laughs> I'm fed up, too. I man. am. I'm so tired. This. It's just, uh, I'm, a little, I'm a little under the weather, and it's got me a little down right now. I'm just like, I cannot believe that we have to battle out these these nasty devolved pagans i can't deal i I couldn't have put it said even any better than that i mean devolved pagans yes exactly what these people are and um we're gonna learn a lot more about this today i mean uh outcast we've been talking about this since the beginning of this podcast you know i know that we've 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 told a lot about all this kind of stuff this deep esoteric you know global kind of stuff that goes way back into antiquity right you know, talking yeah. about our DNA, talking about our the, the control they have over us. Go ahead. Oh, no, I, I, I marvel now that hearing you talk like that and reminding me that, yeah, we've been talking about this since we started the podcast, and um, it's, it's remarkable how everything is interconnected. You know, you could look at it from the perspective of a conspiracy theory with the, the Illuminati. You can look at it as a, you know, you can look all over the place. And, but but when you, as soon as you realize it's one story, and everything that you need to know, past, present, and future, is all in the Bible. That's that's the beginning of true enlightenment. That's when you really wake up to what's going on. Um, I mean, it's obvious how we are in evil days. Oh, and that's for they sure. Have, <laughs> man. Anyway, <laughs> so yeah, I'm with you. And and what's going to be neat is you know I've done my best at trying to explain the interconnectedness of the Nephilim story to what we're living through right now, but. Uh, Dr. Laura is so brilliant and uh, so well-versed in the Bible that she's going to bring the same message, but with a lot more depth and clarity than, yeah. you know, just a just a different messenger. But, man, she's good. Oh, yeah. She's going to be able to solidify everything that we've always talked about and connect them all. You know what I mean? I'm talking back to the ley lines, to the, uh, you know, all the electronic, the, the transhumanism stuff. Uh, yeah. You guys, we're talking about central banks these people that control our funding and our money and everything. You guys understand how, how crazy this is. But um, anyway, Outcast, can you please bless us with one of your uh, strong, healthy, much-needed prayers uh, for protection for the show today? Uh, dear Heavenly Father, we come to you yet again humbly with a heart of gratitude. You have... Uh, You've blessed us in a multitude of ways, so many ways we can't even remember. You've delivered us through and from tragedies and adversities. And then when we've had to go through tragedies and adversities, you were there with us through them. Um, you have uh, you've given us every basic provision of our life. Uh, you have um, you blessed us with this show. And uh, you've given us wisdom and discernment like we've never had before and revelations like we've never had before. Lord, we cannot thank you enough for all these things. You've been so so good. You are a kind and kind, loving father, Lord. We can't, there's no words to express our gratitude. Your vastness and your complexity is, we'll, ne- we'll never be able to grasp it all. But the little bit that you show us, Lord, we are in awe 
of, of what you can do and what you are doing. Lord, we ask that you bless this episode. Um, our sister, Laura Sanger, is uh, a powerhouse for you, Lord. And uh, we, well, we pray that uh, this episode will just unleash her knowledge and wisdom in a way that resonates in the hearts and minds of our listeners. And, um, and I pray that uh, Jesse and I can contribute a little bit, but we, we probably don't need to say too much with her. But I pray that what, whatever, however this fleshes out, Lord, that it is, um, it is just revelations everywhere for everyone. Lord, we thank you for your mercy. We thank you for the season. And we pray that you, uh, you align our hearts with your will. And, um, and I, we pray that uh, your hand will be upon this episode from, beginning to, uh, from the beginning until the end. I pray all these things in Jesus Christ's holy name. Amen. Amen, brother. Thank you for that. Uh, Sorry. I, I, always my, always my, good to hear my, it. My prayer game isn't on. I'm, I'm, I'm a little cloudy headed with this cold. Oh, that's all right. It sounds great to me. And uh, okay. um, th- that's exactly what, you know, <laughs> there's a lot, always good stuff when you, when you get out there and you, you start talking about the, the prayer and, and what we need, you know, that, that's awesome. Um, okay. So in just shortly here, we are going to have uh, Dr. Laura Sanger, you guys. She's coming on here in just a little bit. And um, let me see, I'm just setting up a little bit right now before she gets on here. So what I want to do is take the time right now to, to uh, acknowledge our subscribe stars. You guys help fund the show every month. And I want to thank you guys. You guys are the supporters and you're the well-informed audience of the dangerous info patriots, right? And that allows us not to take funding, which we would never do from big giant corporations that want to tell us what to say and when to say it. No, we're not, we're not doing all that. So it's, 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 I just want to say thanks to you guys, our subscribers, our subscribe stars and our monthly funders, Jill Bark, Ryan Mansfield show, Carmen Rosario, Kenneth Allen, Chad Geyer, Patriot Miller, Cheryl E. And of course, Manny Espejo. So you guys, even if you can't chip in, that's cool too. You can always find a chance to get in there and uh, share the show because that's, you know, outcast, that's big time important when, when people share the show. I mean, uh, that means just, uh, just about as, uh, you know, as much as, people help funding the show because you know without uh, sharing we can't grow. Yep. Um I have before we get into this I have a let me see here. I have some feedback on last week's show, well on Monday's show, the show we did with uh with Katie. <laughs> yeah. This is from one of our buddies on the 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 made uh, the our Patriot text thread. Right. And he says, uh, this is padlock J you guys don't even mess with padlock J. All right. Uh, he says, uh, great, great podcast guys. Now he watched the video portion. Remember we started making these video portions of the show, right? Yeah. And this video portion is, um, you know, I started uploading these to rumble. So if you guys want to get into our rumble, uh, go over to rumble.com and search for the Jesse James uh, dangerous info podcast. You'll see it in there. And, um, anyway, he says a uh, great podcast guys. Um, Katie is so smart. The live video is mint just makes the show more official. When you get outcast dialed in with video, it will make, make it that much better. Nice work, fellas. Nice work. Uh, arms oh, up cool. and, uh, American flags. Nice. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> so awesome. And he hopes you feel better too. So awesome. Yep. Yeah. So you were going to be here today. Uh, in studio with me, right? Yeah, yeah. 
I went down hard. Yeah, it must have came on quick because we were talking the other day. Uh, I thought it was yesterday you were talking. We were talking about this, right? It was the day before yesterday, I think. It was on uh, Monday or Tuesday. Yeah, yeah. And I had every every intention of being out there at your place uh, to record live, mm-hmm. and um, man, it just hit me so hard. And I I literally slept. I've been sleeping more than I've ever slept. <laughs> I mean, like I'm like a cat. I'm sleeping all all day, all night for the last. 48 hours it seems like or something it's just it's been it's uh far out yeah well I have, i'm feeling better good i have my um let me put this down here i have the the zoom is open and it's waiting um for our interview when when dr laura gets in we're gonna get going on that so um yeah i'm just waiting for her let me see let me while see you're waiting so, for her yeah um i made some um hydrochloroquine hydroxychloroquine which uh yeah, well, this is called, from what I understand, this is called hydrochloroquine. Oh, okay. It's a little different. So it's a little different then. Okay. Yeah, a little bit different. And uh, this was a recipe that was given to me by a regular listener and good friend, uh, Laura, and her husband, John. Um, but it was, uh, it's just four grapefruits, four lemons, four oranges, uh, you know, quartered and squeezed mm-hmm. with uh, four liters of diet tonic water, and then you boil it for like two hours or simmer it, uh, and then strain it. And uh, it's like a super power pack vitamin C elixir. So I've been I've been hitting that pretty hard. What do you think of the taste? I mean, it's not wonderful, but it's not bad either. It's it's fine. Okay. What's your thought? What's your thoughts? Um, it was it was okay to me. It didn't. It doesn't taste like medicine or anything. It doesn't taste gross. No, for sure. No, no. It's just like super strong, citrusy. You know, like a little bit almost bitter. Right. For lack of a better description. Yeah. Because you're, you're getting that, the rind, you know, like the lemon rind, you're getting, you know, it's got that, you know, so. Yeah, well, what'd you say? Did you say grapefruits are in there too? Yeah, grapefruits, lemons, and oranges. Okay. Now, you got yeah. the, some sort of a water or? Um... Yeah, it's the tonic water. Uh, so you do uh, four liters of uh, diet tonic water. So what I did was, uh, according to this recipe, you put three liters in with the squeezed uh, juice, and then also you're throwing all the rinds and everything in the bowl, in the pot, and let that simmer for two hours, and then after the two hours, you turn the heat off, and you add the last liter, so for the fourth liter of tonic water, mm-hmm. you pour that in, let it cool, and then you strain it, because you, know, you don't want all the, you don't want to, the pulp and stuff, you want to just strain it all out of there, and it creates this, you know, um, you know, I got it in a pitcher in my fridge. Um, it's loaded with vitamin C. Okay. You know, um, yep. Hang on one second there. Um, why don't we, okay. Yeah. She's connected into the zoom and, uh, good to go. So, um, we were just talking about how outcast has just, just made some, uh, um, hydrochloroquine, correct for your cold. So hopefully you're doing good. And we just had our opening prayer. And, um, right now I'd like to introduce you guys and I'm going to bring you in. And this is the great Dr. Laura that we've always been talking about. All right, so you guys, let's see here. Where are we at? So our – oh, let me grab. Hold on one second. The um, the roots – oh, we're going to get into that a little bit later. Outcast, I talked to you about that just a little bit, but um, 
Um, once we get into this, you're going to dig this. Let me get record on this here. So let me get our recording going. Can I ask you a question yeah. beforehand? Can yes. I, it's <laughs> snowing really hard here in Salt Lake, and my neighbor just fired up his um, snowblower. Can you hear it in the background, or am I okay? No, I, I can't hear it at all, and it, it should be oh, fine. Good. Yeah, it should be fine. <laughs> yeah. I was like, really, Don? Right now, you got to do your <laughs> well. Isn't yeah? Isn't that typically how it goes? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> That's hey, fine. Uh, Go ahead. Hey, Dr. Laura, uh, I, I'm sorry that you can't see me because I'm, I'm at home. Um, I was going to be in the studio with Jesse today, but I, I fell ill. But Aww. I just I, I just need to, uh, I have to gush for a minute. I am, we are so thrilled to have you on the show. Um, you are such a powerful woman of God and you bring Aww. such fascinating insights to, to all the topics that we find we have found interesting on this podcast since we started it. And, um, whether you know it or not, you've been a part of this podcast from the beginning, probably. So Aww. I just have to gush. Just, I just got to tell you, we are super excited to have you. Awesome. Yeah. That's, that's fantastic to know. I didn't realize that. So I'm, I'm really excited. I feel like we already have a bit of a good connection. So I'm excited how this will play out. Yeah. yeah. And you know, I, I, something I noticed too, and I'm like, I follow you on Instagram and it's like, everything that you post perfectly aligns with how we think too. Mm. So, um, you know, whether it be, you know, so sociopolitical commentary along with biblical commentary, I'm just like, yes, yes, yes. I agree. I agree. I agree. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's true. We had a, a, a nice little opening there. Um, we have two, what we have going right now, Dr. Laura is two, two kind of, uh, well, there's a recording podcast, which is just all audio, obviously. In this one that we're just getting ready to start with you, um, as soon as I hit record, I'm waiting for a couple of things to load up here. But um, what's funny is, I, so I'll take the video that we record having you on here, and we put that on our Rumble channel, uh, which I okay. just got started. I, I just started that up recently, and there's a few, you know, a handful of videos up there right now. And uh, of course, this one's going to go up there probably tonight or tomorrow. Um, okay. and tonight the, the audio, the full length audio, because we will do another, what, half hour usually after the guest is on. So, um, there's actually two different, um, variations of the podcast. So, you know, we, I, the, the recorded video interview is its own thing. Um, but we're going to be going live here shortly. Uh, we just have to get a few more pieces of equipment, um, and get outcast uh, so we can see his face too. So that'll be fun when once we're live and, and get get everything going. I mean, we're we're just what a year and uh, almost a year and a half, just under a year and a half of doing this uh, podcast, and it's been it's been great. It's been a lot of fun. Awesome, um, awesome. And I've been listening to a ton of your stuff lately too, just you know, in preparation for this. Mm. And um, you know, it's just been uh, it, it's been a lot of fun. You know, getting to know you. Um, Oh, I got a spinning wheel. Getting to know you, um, I, not not face to face or like we're doing right now, but understanding the way you talk and your patterns, uh, you know, the way you talk and mm. and uh, the the way you line up your facts. It's great. I love it. Um, well, you know, for, yeah. for, for 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 me, there's like these um, learning the proper vocabulary when praying is really essential. And um, and when you know, watching your, I've been watching a lot of your stuff on YouTube, and you talk about the. Uh, spiritual or uh, generational uh, curses and strongholds of iniquity. And when you understand how to pray over that, uh, the, it's, it's like a game changer. 
Um, it is. It's like, yeah. and, and, uh, just a little anecdotal, but true story for you while Jesse's waiting for his, his uh, thing to load up here. Um, a uh, buddy of mine, he's actually was a guest on our show a while ago. His name's Dave. Uh, we call him greasy Dave. Uh, he, uh, he contacted me recently. He said, you know, I've been getting, you know, he, he's been getting like, like born again, really tuned in with his faith. And he says, Jason, do you think that like, because I'm getting so close to, to Jesus in my walk that, that, that the devil's playing hardball and attacking me. He had, he had a mini stroke and he's had a lot of health issues. Mm-hmm. And I said, yes, Dave, I said, absolutely. That is a possibility. I mean, the, the attacks could be physical. It could be, um, you know, it could be environmental, but here's the interesting, I'm kind of jumping around here, but he has an epic story that he told on our show about, uh, when he was a dumb teenager playing with a Ouija board and what the, the chaos that it unleashed in his life. And his mother, Dave's mother was, I call her a spiritual smorgasbordist. She dabbled in all kinds of stuff, you know, from, you know, Wicca to, you know, uh, channeling and all that. And, and, and she would invoke the name of Jesus when it was convenient. I mean, she was all over the place with this stuff. And I said, Dave, um, because of your brush with the occult and because your mother, you know, generationally, your mother's brush, brush with the occult, mm-hmm. they, you may be marked and you need to pray over this specifically. Okay. Mm-hmm. So he goes, wow, I didn't really think about it like that. So he prayed over it and he said, you're not going to believe the next day he contacted me. He goes, you're not going to believe this. I'm like, what? And he goes, I woke up in the middle of the night and he goes, I didn't eat anything weird. I swear I didn't. He goes, but I had like the most violent diarrhea I've ever had in my life. Mm-hmm. And I felt amazing. The next day I went to uh, physical therapy. I was doing other things. He goes, <laughs> and everybody, everywhere I went, people were talking to me about, about Jesus. Almost like he flushed out the Satan, a demonic yeah. spirit out of himself. It, yeah. Yeah. Wow. And, uh, and, and I think that my advice to him was, um, uh, I wouldn't, I, I, maybe I wouldn't have known what to say if I hadn't been listening to you and other people like you, you know what I mean? It was, mm-hmm. it was beneficial to, to understand that yes, there are generational curses. His mom was dabbling in this stuff. He brushed yeah. up against it, you know, and, and it, it seemed to be, I don't know. I thought that was a pretty cool, um, deliverance story. Uh, Cause he said Absolutely. he felt the difference immediately. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so good. <laughs> oh, yeah. Thanks for doing, for helping him out. Hopefully he feels better <laughs> now. Yeah. Oh, he does. Yeah. yeah. He does. Good. All right. Well, look, you guys, I'm going to get this thing going fired up here on the zoom so that we have uh, something to look at later. Um, okay. Yep. So we're all good to go. So I'm going to read you guys and bring you up to speed on Dr. Laura Sanger. All right, you guys, Dr. Laura Sanger is a clinical psychologist author of The Roots of the Federal Reserve and Small Business Owner. Her current focus is awakening people to the spiritual battle at hand and the psychological warfare of the globalist agenda. See, I told you guys you're going to dig the show. Uh, Dr. Sanger has been involved in spiritual mapping for the past 25 years. She is passionate about seeing individuals, people groups, regions, and nations set free from the systems of enslavement. What do we always say on this show? Uh, This led her to write The Roots of the Federal Reserve, Tracing the Nephilim from, the, from Noah to the U.S. dollar in an investigative journey through time using spiritual mapping concepts to uncover the deep layer, layers of defilement within our monetary system. And at that, I'll say in, inside of our government. Oh, welcome to the show, Dr. Laura. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for oh, having finally me. Finally, good to uh, have you on the show. We've been trying to dial this in for a couple months now. So um, what, tell us about the book, The Roots of the Federal Reserve. Uh, tracing the Nephilim from the Noah to U.S. dollar. We've talked about all that stuff on our show over, you know, over several different episodes in the last year and a half. 
Yeah, you know, it's um, I never intended to write a book on the Federal Reserve. I certainly can say that, you know, as a psychologist, I, you know, I'm not uh, an expert, certainly in monetary policy or, you know, our financial system. But one of the things um, about me is I absolutely love to learn. I've got kind of this naturally inquisitive mind. So I'm constantly formulating questions in my head to research And I've actually been involved in research since 1989. You know, I began working in the VA Medical Center in La Jolla, California, and I was in the Department of Psychiatry doing research, and I absolutely thoroughly enjoyed it. And so from that point forward, I have been involved in some level of research. And so I really brought that skill set to what I wrote in the Roots of the Federal Reserve, but I would say like the the entire process of writing this book was so unique to me because like I said, I didn't intend to write a book on the Federal Reserve and how it started for me really was, you know, in 2014, I, I get these nudges from the Holy Spirit. And um, so I, I realized that the Holy Spirit was wanting me to write a spiritual mapping prayer brief on the Federal Reserve. Now, are you guys familiar with what spiritual mapping is? I know you talked about, you know, having listened to some of my stuff, but I'm just wondering, do you think your audience understands it? Oh, I'll cast, uh, we probably should have her explain it a little bit more. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Please yeah, do. That yeah. way you can bring our audience up to speed on what, you know, your version of spiritual mapping is. Yes, please do that. Yeah. So what spiritual mapping is essentially is it's gathering research on the physical, the social and the spiritual pulse of a city, a community, a people group, an institution, a state, you know, whatever it is, the focus of that mapping assignment is. And so it involves digging through history to uncover ancient roots of defilement. Now, there's three components to spiritual mapping. There's reconnaissance, there's research, and then there's informed intercession. So what we do with reconnaissance is we take teams of people out onto the land itself And these are people who are gifted in discernment. So people who can see into the spiritual realm, people who can feel what the land is emitting. We've even occasionally had a person who was able to hear what the land is trying to communicate. So anyways, we we take notes uh, during our reconnaissance trips, and then we pair that with a research. Now, research component involves digging through historical documents. You know, we'll obtain demographic data. We'll even interview local people to get their perspective of, okay, what's happening? Why, why are there negative things affecting the people in this community? And then we've also found, you know, digging through old newspaper articles can be incredibly helpful as well. And so we pull all that information together and we write what's called a spiritual mapping prayer brief. And those are between five to 10 pages. And what we do in there is we identify targeted prayer strategies because we really want to equip intercessors to be able to strike at the root of the issue. And so that's how we inform intercession. Now, what we've discovered over the years is that there's particular types, actually four types of iniquity that can establish a stronghold on the land. And when there's a stronghold over a territory, it can negatively affect the people that live there, whether they know it or not. And so those four types of iniquity are sexual perversion, idolatry, broken covenants, and bloodshed. And so when we're doing spiritual mapping, we're looking to see how these things 
happened on the land? Had they established a stronghold? Because like what I say, we want to equip intercessors to be able to break off curses that have been spoken on the land. We want to uproot any wicked structures that have been established in the spiritual realm. We want to tear down those strongholds. And we want to release the decrees that the Lord has over that territory and really release the full measure of blessing that God has intended. Because the ultimate goal of spiritual mapping is to help people step into the fullness of what God has for them. We want to see communities transformed. So anyways, that's kind of a nutshell of what spiritual mapping is. So in 2014... I wrote a spiritual mapping prayer brief on the Federal Reserve and, you know, gathered some intercessors and we prayed through the targeted prayer strategies that I had identified. And I really thought my assignment was done. You know, I'm ready to move on to the next prayer assignment. But I would say over the next year and a half or so, the Lord just kept nudging me that I wasn't done. And so this to yeah. me, this is sounding like it's a military operation. The way you laid that all out. This is great. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Doesn't it? One of the things yeah. that with spiritual mapping is I liken it to a special operations unit within the military. So yeah. we do use a lot of military um, concepts to, to try and help people understand what we do. Right. So with, um, you know, in 2016, what I did is I um, picked it back up. I started researching and writing again about the Federal Reserve. Mm -hmm. But for the first year, I didn't know what I was writing because it was becoming way too long for a spiritual mapping prayer brief. And I kept asking the Lord. And then finally, in 2017, he showed me that he was having me write a book. And so I spent four years researching and writing the roots of the Federal Reserve. And I, um, I wrote it in what I call real time, which means, you know, I distinctly remember chapter five is one of my favorite chapters because I'm much more personal with the reader. And I remember in that chapter realizing that I have no idea the twists and turns that this investigative journey will take. I didn't even know if like the dots would connect in the end or any of this would make sense. And so it really was an act of obedience. Every day I'd wake up and I love treasure hunts. And so the Holy Spirit knows that about me. And he just laid out all these clues that I got to follow. And my constant prayer was Jeremiah 33, 3, which says, call to me and I will answer answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. And that definitely happened. I mean, I, the research I did for this book, it spans from the dawn of humanity to our current day. And as you said, I identify this Nephilim agenda that has defiled not only our monetary system, but practically every institution in our land. Yeah. And so I trace this agenda, you know, from the days of Noah to our current day. And I know one of the things the Lord's called me to since it's been published is to really help awaken people to the impact the Nephilim agenda has on us today. You know, it, it's so it's so great that you were able to connect the Nephilim with the Federal Reserve, because we've always talked about that, too, Outcast and, my, and myself here on the show. And, you know, we we. We never did it quite as concise and clear as you did. We've done it over multiple uh, episodes. Um, I'm just scrolling around your your website right now. It's no longer enslaved.com, you guys. No longer enslaved.com. Get over there and sign up. I signed up for it the other day. Um, and you can see all her information in there. But but the book, uh, I, I click on the book tab, and the book is right here. It says the number one bestseller in ancient Egyptian history. And there it is right there, the roots of the Federal Reserve. This is great, you guys. Um, 
Wow. I can't wait to read this. <laughs> I'm going to order this <laughs> and read this. And, uh, you know, I'm sure it's going to fill in some of the, the spots and some of the holes that we had. Um, mm. But, I, you know, I assume that you're going to be able to do that right now for the audience because um, for the audience to understand, uh, you, you guys already know what Nephilim is, right? Well, the Federal Reserve, Laura, answer, answer me a question, please. I was at a, what was it? A Thanksgiving, I believe, or a birthday party. Not, not It was just a few within the last few months here. And I was talking to some of the uh, people around the table. Uh, we just got to chat and you know how, it, how, how it does at, at those family gatherings and everything. And, um, there was this older, older guy that we always, uh, my father-in-law and myself, we always try to kind of get into him and kind of red pill him a little bit. Right. He's not having any bit of red pilling for some reason. He's got that blue pill swallowed and he's not giving it up. But anyway, I brought up, uh, I, I carry silver in my pocket, you know, like, like right here, I've got this, you know, silver coins in my pocket. And, for example, I, I asked him, I said, do you understand? I said, it's almost common knowledge now, but do you understand that the Federal Reserve has nothing to do with our government? It's unconstitutional and there is no reserve. Mm-hmm. It, well, he, that blew his mind. He's like, no, no, no. I, he doesn't believe it. It's part of our government. It is part of our, what we are. It is the United States. And I was like, no, it's, it's a central bank made up of private bankers. Mm-hmm. meant to control our government in our country. He's, he, he wasn't buying it. So, you know, at some point you have to stop trying to red pill people and just move move along. Right. And let God deal with them. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, that's how I kind of, <sighs> I, I gave up on red pilling people, I guess. Outcast does that really well. I'm just, I'm, I'm up to here with it cause I've been doing it for so long. <laughs> now I just like to talk about things in, in, like you do. So, Outcast, yeah. uh, I don't know where can we go, from, you know, with with that for Dr. Laura. Well, <clears throat> um, you know, I I I think when we just if we're going to let if we doctor let Dr. Laura go, she's going to unravel everything we want to say. But yeah, um, yeah, the, the red pill thing is interesting because um, uh, when you when you when you realize that the conspiracy theories, not only are they real, which is dis, was very disconcerting <laughs> when when, they, when you have that wake up, but then you realize it's the biblical story. And that everything's interconnected, that's the aha moment. And I think that's a great. I, personally, I look at it like that's a great way to um, reach somebody's spiritual side through a little bit more of a cerebral approach. You, you're, you're kind of addressing uh, you're, you're addressing ancient aliens for the ancient aliens crowd. You're addressing a lot of things, and you're bringing it. You know uh, how how are the pyramids built? Uh, all these things, and it it just shores everything up, and it really. Uh, some people are very like very clinical in their thinking and, and, and they had struggled with spirituality because things are unanswered that this, the answers are there. You just got to know where to look for them. Right. And Dr. Laura and, and others are doing a great job of this. And I just try to encapsulate a little of that. What I'm doing it myself is I just try to, you know, harness a little of that power and, uh, and, and wake people up from that approach. Sorry. I, I didn't mean to ramble. Yeah. And I'm going to give this over to you right now, Dr. Laura, but in the description of this, when I started typing this up for the, for the show, I told people you better get a pen and a piece of paper because your mind's going to be blown once you put all this together. So uh, please start at the beginning of where you want (laughs) to go. Uh, There's just so much. And we can't, I know we can't cover this all in one episode or one episode here. So, um, you know, eventually I'd like to have you on back and back and keep developing and growing this knowledge base that you have. 
So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I the, think a good place to start is probably just my describing what I mean by the Nephilim agenda. So yeah. to make sure your audience understands, and then I'll build from there because like I said, in my book, I start from the dawn of humanity and I go all the way to the current day. Now um, I have 553 references in my book. And so what I try and do is not only hit it from a spiritual mapping perspective and, and draw in that biblical history, but also to help people that are more cerebral and less in touch with their spiritual nature, just try and trace things line upon line. And so that people can follow that trail and they can do their own research. I mean, that's what I love when I read a book. If someone has referenced where they're getting this material, man, I dive into those references. I want to go to the original source. That's so important. So that's what I try and do um, for my readers. But okay, so jumping in, let's just start with the Nephilim agenda. So essentially it was unleashed during the days of Noah. And what it is, is it's the plan to defile the human genome through propagating a hybrid race the whole purpose of which is to overthrow God's kingdom. So the origins of the Nephilim agenda are actually found in the seed war of Genesis 3. And I'll read two verses. This is verse 14 and 15. It says, So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, you are cursed more than all cattle and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go, and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. So after the fall, what we see is that Yahweh declares war between the seed of Eve, which is humanity, and the seed of Satan. One day, Eve's seed would crush Satan. And this was a prophetic declaration of the coming Messiah. So Satan's strategy was to contaminate the seed of the woman by altering the genetic code of humans. Wow, sounds so familiar. Yeah, now this is where the fallen sons of God become integral in Satan's strategy. And we read about this not only in Genesis 6, but also in the extra biblical text of the book of Enoch. And we know from those two um, records is that these fallen sons of God, they choose to leave their heavenly abode. And they invade the earth realm by descending upon Mount Hermon. And from that point, they lust after the daughters of men. Then they take them as wives, they mate with them, and they defile the human genome by birthing the Nephilim, which are a hybrid race of giants. Now, one of the things that I did in my book that I felt was very important is given this ethereal nature of the Nephilim, I felt like the Lord was really pressing on me to develop a set of proposed criteria that would help advance our ability to discern the presence of Nephilim traits within individuals. So in chapter 13 of my book, what I do is I identify four physical traits and 19 behavioral characteristics of the Nephilim and their giant offspring, because we cannot be deceived in thinking that the Nephilim only roamed the earth during the days of antiquity. So what I submit to you guys and your listeners is that there are not only Nephilim alive today, there are Nephilim hosts. 
Now, a Nephilim host is a term that I coined in my book, and it represents a human who has partnered with the spiritual forces of darkness to carry out the Nephilim agenda. And these would be, you know, people who would meet that proposed criteria that I set out. And I think many of them are the titans of global governance. You know, these are the global elites over industry, banking, big tech, big pharma, the political establishment. Yep. You know, and we, before you go on, I'd like to interrupt that right there, what you're saying, when I try to explain that uh, to some people, they cannot grasp that. They don't, they're saying, wait a second, you're telling me that somebody from the Bible is related to these people and these companies, businesses. I'm like, yes, that's exactly what I'm trying to tell you. They, they can't make that connection, Dr. Laura. Uh, right. And I, you know, it does take some time to fill in the gaps because that's a long time in history. Yeah. And so that's why it's important to, um, you know, kind of walk people through now, I do that in interviews like this. I certainly, the deep dive is my book, but I also, what I did is on my YouTube and rumble channel, no longer enslaved. I put together a 10 part series called the impact of the Nephilim agenda today. And I walk people through the connection from the dawn of humanity to our current day. And so that's another way just to help people begin to see things. Cause you're right. It's a huge leap to, yeah when you're just having, you know, cocktail conversation or you're, you know, you're in passing with somebody, yep. they don't quite understand it all. And, and that's okay. I totally get that. Yeah. Okay. So I think, you know, one of the things that is important for us to understand is the Nephilim agenda and the globalist agenda are really serving the same end goal. And that is the total domination of humanity. It's tyranny on the grandest scale. And Nephilim hosts, what they are intent on doing is destroying the followers of Jesus while enslaving the masses through control and domination and intimidation. Because at the core of the Nephilim agenda is this goal to strip us of our humanity. You know, they hate the fact that we're created in the image of God. And so they want to defile our human genome. Now, one of the things in, in the research that I did I actually was able to find clues that the Nephilim agenda was actually um, kind of infused in the soil of Jekyll Island long before the six men stole away in the dark of the night in November of 1910 to form the Federal Reserve. I uh, got a question for you. Have you been to Jekyll Island? I have not. I no. was I was there last year. Were you? Yeah. Now, when I when I was invited, you know, when I got the word that I was invited to go to Jekyll Island, my mind, I just, just everywhere. Right. Outcast. You remember me telling you this whole oh, yeah. situation. Um, mm -hmm. I, I just couldn't believe it. That, you know, when I got invited to, 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 to be there at Jekyll Island, I was, I was, the emotions were everywhere. I was, you know, I was very surprised. I was happy to go, but I also had this, I knew what I knew about, you know, what they did there back in 1913. And I, I actually ended up going in that building and I saw all the pictures and, and to walk those hallways. I was in that building. I've got a bunch of pictures of it. The place is beautiful, but I know a lot of evil stuff went down in that building. And I was down in the basements and everything. And um, it's, it's a beautiful island. I understand why they, 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 they went there and did what they did there. But uh, I can't well, wait to hear you, you. Yeah, both of you talk about yeah. it. Go ahead. Well, no, I'm not, I'm not going to talk. I just want to say, well, you just wait till Dr. Laura unravels how far back it goes. Yeah. 
yeah. why the island was chosen. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, my prayer is Lord lead me to Jekyll Island when it's your timing. Um, I know that I'm going to go there. Uh, and there have been plenty of people that have done prayer initiatives there, but I can't wait to get my feet. On <laughs> I'm going to send you some Jekyll of my Island. pictures. I'm going to send you some <laughs> of my pictures and things. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. So what's interesting is, you know, throughout my investigation, what I found is that there were two symbols that were this consistent thread all throughout history. And those symbols are, and, and these are symbols that connected the Nephilim and their agenda, like I said, all throughout history. So it's the color red and then the circumpunct, which is the circle with the dot or the circle within the circle. And so this circumpunct really, you know, it dates back to ancient civilizations and megalithic civilizations were prolific in their construction of circumpuncts between 5000 to 2000 BC. And in fact, the origin of the circumpunct is actually linked to the Egyptian, uh, the worship of the Egyptian sun god Ra. And what you find is almost on every continent are remnants of these ancient circumpunks, which really gives this symbol, you know, this universal spiritual significance. And of course, one of the more famous ones that people know uh, well is Stonehenge. Stonehenge is, you know, one of thousands of stone circles that uh, dot the landscape of Great Britain. Uh, But there also are ancient circumpuncts in the Levant. So in the land where the biblical giants roamed, one of which is called Gilgal Raphaim. And I want to talk a little bit about this because I think it has some significance for us. So it's a megalithic monument that has concentric circles, and it's located in the region that was once known as Bashan. Now, Bashan was governed by King Og, who was one of the most famous of the Raphaim. So the Raphaim are offspring of the Nephilim. And currently it's in modern day Golan Heights. Now, one of the things I love to do in my book is perform what I like to call an archaeological dig on language. So I looked at the etymology of words, because when we go back to words in their original language, the meaning has such greater depth and it unlocks these clues. And so one of the things in thinking about, you know, what is Bashan? What is this territory? Well, Bashan in Hebrew, one of the meanings is serpent. And that aptly depicts this territory. In fact, about, I think within the last 10 years, they've discovered a three quarter mile long serpent mound that's located just a quarter mile from um, Gilgal Raphaim. And so, you know, the serpent mound is three times the size of what they found in Ohio. And it what it points to is this potential significance of um, this whole area. And then when you consider that Gilgal Raphaim is located, so Mount Hermon, the ground zero of the Nephilim agenda, is located almost due north from where Gilgal Raphaim is. So they specifically constructed this monument to line up with Mount Hermon. And again, that points to the potential significance that this monument had for the Nephilim and their giant offspring. Is a question, I don't know if you'll know this or not, is they uh, the the location of Mount Hermon? Is that at the thirty three degree mm-hmm. parallel? Yes, it is. Ah, okay. Yeah, right. it's a PowerPoint on a ley line. Yep. Yes, so it's in thirty three. Thirty three is very significant. In, yeah. in, in the realm of all the numbers. Yeah, uh, it's it's a significant number in the occult for sure. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So 
Mount Hermon, um, you know, was was ground zero of the Nephilim agenda. And this whole region, you know, um, Caesarea Philippi uh, was the region where the Greek god Pan was worshipped. That's where Jesus went um, when he says, on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not prevail. Well, this whole region of Bashan was known as the gateway to the underworld or the gateway to hell. And so here you have this Gilgal Raphaim, these concentric circles, a circumpunct. And, um, you know, I, I go into this in more in depth in my book, but in the center of this circumpunct are a cairn and a tumulus. And these are used in funeral mounds or burial mounds. And so there's more and more evidence pointing to the fact that King Og, the greatest of the Rephaim, who was said to be about 12 feet in, in height, was most likely buried at this Gilgal Rephaim. So the concentric circles, they were built um, in the antediluvian period, but the centerpieces um, of this circumpunct were built about 1500 years later. And we know that Og was died after the flood. So again, it points to the potential that he may have requested to be buried in this very significant place so that he could join back with his Nephilim ancestors. Now, as I was researching all this, it became clear that the roots of the Federal Reserve um, are actually intertwined within the roots of the mystery religions and pagan occult practices. So that, like I said, this, the circumpunct, you know, it is a symbol of great spiritual significance. So we see it as the symbol for alchemical gold, for the philosopher's stone, the Rosicrucian rose, even the um, astrological sun is represented by this symbol. And then certainly the all-seeing eye on the back of our dollar bill. And so this kind of points, again, it begins to point to how the Federal Reserve is intertwined in these mystery religions. In fact, when you think about it, secret societies are structured like this circumpunct. So you have the outer organization shrouded or the inner core shrouded by this outer organization. And an example of that would be, you know, the Illuminati is burrowed deep within Freemasonry. So it's a secret society within a secret society or a circle within a circle. Yeah. Skull and bones. uh, uh, Mm -hmm. You know, we can get into this a different time, but you have Masonry and then Freemasonry. And I believe there might, I know some guys who, are you know low level local in the Masons? I don't know if they know anything about this stuff on mm-hmm. up on top, the thirty third degree yeah. and all that stuff. So interesting, yeah. interesting to, to to learn about this stuff. Well, uh, yeah, I, I don't want to go down this rabbit hole too far, but I just, I want to say that um, I don't I don't think you find out what you're involved with until you get really high up, closer to thirty third degree. Yeah. And Doctor Laura, correct me if I'm wrong, but I've heard recently that they actually test blood type in the in the Masons mm-hmm. and but you can you can't advance to thirty third degree unless you're an Rh negative blood type. Is that is that true? Wow, I don't know that. That would be news to me, but very interesting. Yeah, I've heard the very same, same thing. That Rh negative yeah. is so important to them. Yeah. Well, it's important so, to the story. I, in my opinion, it's important to this whole story too. Yeah. It ties mm-hmm. in. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. 
So then kind of going back in history, tying it to Jekyll Island, um, you know, in 1872, archaeologists um, discovered these shell mounds um, on Sapello Island. And it turns out that, you know, this whole region where Jekyll Island is, the Georgia coastal islands, um, they use circumpunks in their rituals. So on Sapello Island, you know, this was 54 miles north of Jekyll Island. And what um, archaeologists found is that there were these ancient cities, you know, there were three neighborhoods delineated by, you know, these really tall uh, circular walls. They're about 20 feet in height and they were made up entirely of shells. How, how do well, we spell that? Sorry. How do you spell Archaeologists it? date back, um, you know, the earliest occupation to 4,200 B.C., and in one of the the center of these circular neighborhoods was a prominent structure. And so here you have, you know, because of ground penetrating radar, they were able to discover a circumpunct on Sapello Island. And so that kind of led me down the trail of digging deeper around this area of Jekyll Island. And in 1936, there was a Salt Lake Tribune article called George's Sand Dunes Yield Startling Proof of a Prehistoric Race of Giants. And so in this article, what they um, report is that as workers were excavating to build the Glen County Airport, what they found is that there were skulls and skeletons buried in the sand dunes. Now, when they called in the Smithsonian and, you know, they had experts measure these skeletons, all the adult skeletons were measured between six and a half and seven feet tall. And the skulls, uh, they said were to have the characteristics of the Timuquan. Now, the Timuquan was the mysterious tribe that lived and inhabited Jekyll Island and the Golden Isles and parts of Florida between 1150 AD and the 1500s. And what's interesting is the appearance, the physical appearance of the Timuqua um, was noteworthy. And in all the writings that I read, every single author noted their physical appearance as being very tall in stature and incredibly muscular. And in fact, you know, you you get variations and in, in reports as to their actual height, but a lot of historians say they were between um, seven or eight feet tall. And that would actually be consistent with what we see from these skeletons that were found on um, Sea Island. Now, one of the things that was really helpful in my research is once the Europeans landed on the shores of America, they encountered the Timuqua. And there was a French explorer by the name of Lemoyne. And he actually drew sketches, not only of the Timuqua's physical appearance, but of their culture, their governmental structure, even their village architecture, and then the religious ceremonies and beliefs. So I began just kind of pouring into these uh, these drawings and sketches. I have 13 of them in my book. And what became clear is that the circumpunct was definitely a symbol of great significance to the Timuqua. You know, it was in nearly every aspect of their their life. They incorporated it. They you know, even their village was structured in a shape of a circumpunct, their funeral uh, ceremonies were in a circumpunct, the religious ceremonies were, and even the breastplates that they wore were circumpunks as well. And so once you begin understanding the the Timuquans, they worshiped the sun God and they looked to this deity 
for protection, for prosperity, you know, for harvest and for victory in battle. And it really makes sense because, like I said, the the circumpunct um, was this ancient phallic symbol for the Egyptian sun god Ra. And here we have the Timuquans who are worshiping the sun god and they're incorporating the circumpunct in their rituals and their cultural life and in their ceremonies. So then I discovered, too, that um, the sorcerer of the Timuquans, he engaged in magic. No, no surprise there. But he used the circumpunct in the in the magic rituals. And so what he did is he would take a circular shield and he would lay it on the ground and then he would draw a circle around that shield. So he's creating a circumpunct. And then he would insert himself in the middle of that circumpunct by by kneeling on this shield. And from there, he would engage in sorcery. And again, when you think about casting a circle, you know, in sorcery and in paganism, that actually finds its origins in the Egyptian practice of magic. And so it kind of all uh, blends together. Now, I'll mention just a couple of ceremonies of the Timuquan, um, just to highlight how they use the circumpunct. One of them is called the victory ceremony. And this is where, you know, they're worshiping the sun God for victory and for protection in the midst of battle. And so in this drawing that Lemoyne has, you see the Timuqua sit in a semicircle. And then across from them are seven poles that are in a semicircle. And on top of the poles are the severed arms and legs of their enemies. And then you have the sorcerer that sits in the middle. So here you have the dead and the living forming a circle, a circumpunct. And again, it it really points to how important casting the, the magic circle was to the Timuqua, because what that does is it releases the supernatural power. Mm. Now, one of the other ceremonies is probably even more disturbing. The most disturbing is they practiced um, sacrificing the firstborn male son to the Timuquan chief. And all of that ceremony was done using a circumpunct. And so what you find here, kind of tying back what I mentioned about Nephilim host is you find in these Timiquans some of the characteristics of Nephilim hosts. You know, they were extraordinarily tall. They were extremely strong. They had, you know, they participated in sorcery, witchcraft, and the occult. They had recurring violent acts, you know, with disregard for others. They had pervasive patterns of sexual and or blood occult rituals. And then they committed human sacrifices, So tying in that spiritual mapping concepts that I used in the very beginning, what we see is these early inhabitants of Jekyll Island, they established these altars of offense because they they were engaging in false worship. And what happened is they infused the land of Jekyll Island with their spiritual DNA. And, you know, as I mentioned, the history of the circumpunct is associated with false worship and pagan practices. So here you have the iniquity of these early inhabitants 
It attached a curse to the land, established a stronghold over that territory, and that has affected subsequent generations. And this became the seedbed for the incubation of the Federal Reserve. And, and so this is how just one of many ways this Nephilim agenda is being advanced. But I think it's really critical also that we understand how the Nephilim agenda affects our everyday lives so that we're not hoodwinked by it. Yeah, and I, th- I think that's some of the, the issue there is that uh, outcasts, we, we both believe that the Nephilim are still here doing things. I mean, they're not, you know, 10, 12 footers anymore. Um, but I, I'm just scrolling through the Sapello Island photos here on, uh, on the Internet here. And it's amazing to see all these photos and what you're talking about uh, with, the, with the mounds, the shell mounds. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, Dr. Laura, I don't want to get ahead of you, um, but something that you said uh, in a previous podcast that just just astounded me, and I keep having seeing it, it just keeps coming to light more and more. Uh, you broke down the the translation of uh, of the serpent from Nakash, and uh, and then also deceived from the word Nassau. And what my takeaway this is my my rewording of of your ideas is that uh, when Adam and Eve gave up their dominion of the earth. They, they traded it in for godlike knowledge and then forfeited the earth to the devil. And the devil works through uh, enslavement, through uh, debt. So, mm-hmm. um, is, I mean, is that, is that fairly accurate? I, I, want, uh, I want to add to that. I have a, an old story that just came to mind after you said that, and it blew me away. I, uh, 30 years ago, I knew this girl. She's actually a born-again Christian now. I've, I've lost uh, track of her, but I'd like to meet up with her again. But she was an old punk rock friend of mine from back in the day. And, um, she, her and her husband moved to Florida and they felt like they were stranded in Florida. They wanted, wanted to get back to Michigan. So she did some white witchcraft spell to get the finances to come back to Michigan. And immediately she, she got the money and her and her husband came back to Michigan. But when they got here, they had three times the debt waiting for them uh, here when they got to Michigan. So in other words, how everything that the devil does is through enslavement through debt. Yeah. Yeah. Did I jump way ahead of you at all? No, I mean, that's good. That um, That isn't something I was going to focus on, but I certainly tie that in in my book that, um, you know, the the serpent, Nakash, um, you know, in that when he was whispering magic spells over Eve to deceive her, that, that word for deceive that you were um, referencing is the word Nasha. And, um, you know, when you look at it in different, uh, there's a Hebrew English lexicon known as Brown Drivers Briggs. And when you look at it, it means to lend on interest or to uh, usury or to become a, a debtor. And so the Hebrew word for deceive is to essentially make someone enter into debt. And that is essentially the roots of the Federal Reserve. And I, Again, I trace this Nephilim agenda. And, you know, one of the things beyond just what we're experiencing, what the Federal Reserve is doing to us in everyday life, there are many other ways that this Nephilim agenda impacts us. And I kind of want to unpack that a little bit because I think we can get so hoodwinked by things. And, you know, as the Lord says, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. And I think it's important we we highlight what are these ways that this Nephilim agenda is impacting us today beyond just what's happening through the Federal Reserve. Yeah, I'm inter- this is so interesting to me. 
the whole, so I'll jump in yeah. there. You yeah. know, I think one of the ways the Nephilim agenda is rapidly progressing is through the fourth industrial revolution. And essentially what that is, is it's the convergence of, you know, the advancements in bio um, technology and information technology. Klaus Schwab actually describes it this way. He says the fourth industrial revolution doesn't change what you're doing. It changes you. If you take genetic editing as an example, it is you that has changed. And of course, this has a big impact on your identity. So essentially what the fourth industrial revolution is, is it's this fusion between our biological, our physical and our digital identities. You know, it merges big tech data with machine learning, AI, quantum computing, genetics, robotics, and nanotechnology. And it really leads us to this place of an existential crisis of the highest order. And that is, will humans continue to exist in the near future? Well, they want transhumanism to take us over and, you know, exactly. that's what, you know, yeah. If you ask Yoval Noah Harari, you know, he he would say no. And he writes this. He says, we are probably one of the last generations of homo sapiens. Within a century or two, Earth will be dominated by entities that are more different from us than we are different from Neanderthals or from chimpanzees. Because in the coming generations, we will learn how to engineer bodies, brains and minds. This will be the product of the 21st century economy, not vehicles, textiles, and weapons, but bodies, brains, and minds. Those who control the data control the future of not just humanity, but of life itself. Because today, data is the most important asset of our time. So here we have Harari, you know, he's talking about the fact that the products of the 21st century are going to be bodies, brains, and minds. Well, what he's talking about in part are human brain organoids. And let me describe what this is. So a brain organoid is an artificially grown organ in vitro that resembles a brain. And it originates from embryonic stem cells. Now, as of right now, these human brain or, or these brain organoids, they don't have a vascular system. So blood can't flow to them, which actually limits their size and viability. But with how quickly things are advancing, it won't be long before they have the technology where they can get blood flow to these brain organoids. And then they will be able to grow these more mature brains um, that can be used. Now, one of the things that is important to know now, scientists have been able to grow sections of the brain. So this is synthetic brain. And they've inserted that, they've transplanted it into neurodegenerative areas within mice. Now, I have a really good friend of mine that is an incredibly brilliant scientist. He's um, a microbiologist and he was involved in um, pharmaceutical stuff, you know, running tests to make sure that um, the pharmaceutical pharmaceutical products could go to market. And he was a whistleblower and he lost nearly everything because he went up against the FDA. Well, he tells me that what we see when they're testing these things on mice, it means they're testing it on humans as well. We yeah. just don't know that. Yeah. And so, um, you know, as we can see, these Nephilim hosts, they're actively advancing transhumanism, as you mentioned, Jesse. And 
they want to replace humans. And if they're successful in turning us into hybrids, they could disrupt our ability to connect with creator God. And, you know, the, the speed at which they're moving towards advancing and accomplishing this goal is really alarming. And I just want to give a couple of examples. So in 2010, a geneticist named Craig Ventner, he created synthetic life forms through bioengineering a cell. And his critics accuse him of playing God and that these artificial organisms could actually be used in a biological weapon. So that makes me think, you know, was some of this stuff used in the COVID-19? Oh, yeah, I think now, so. I think so. Let me be yeah. let me be clear to you here that what Ventner has done is he has altered the genetic code of life. Yep. And that has led experts to liken his work to the development of the nuclear weapon because Ventner's technology paired with CRISPR technology, which is genetic editing software, means that scientists can engineer anything and create synthetic life. And by doing this, they're attempting to usurp creator God. So Jesse, did you have something to add to that? No, it just, it fits perfectly to mm -hmm. the, the way that I'm thinking about this too. Uh, you know, we, we've definitely talked about this before. They wanted to attain our blood before the days of Noah. They're tainting it right now. They're tainting right. it right now in the last two years. And that's, yeah. that's what we, we don't take that stuff. We stay as far away as we can from it. Uh, I, I've never had a flu shot in my life. I never will. Uh, my, my hey. wife and kids, none of that stuff. We don't know because there, I know if you, you're probably, um, used to, uh, Rudolf Steiner and what he said back in what, 1901, talking about how they're going to eventually in the future, take, uh, be able to control us through vaccines. Mm -hmm. You know, that was over a hundred years ago. He's got a whole book and articles about all that back then. Yeah. So, yeah. wow. Yep. So when you, when you follow this technology even further, you know, we are quickly approaching a day when the human brain is going to be hacked and our minds taken over. And, you know, as nanotechnology and AI rapidly progress, what scientists are doing is they are attempting to create a global super brain through the use of nanobots. So in 2019, scientists from the Human Brain Cloud Interface Project, they report to us that nanobots will be able to navigate the human vasculature. They'll be able to cross the blood-brain barrier and auto-position themselves precisely in and within brain cells. And from there, these nanobots would wirelessly transmit encoded information to and from you know, these supercomputer networks in the cloud for real-time brain state monitoring and data extracting. So essentially what they're doing is scientists are trying to connect a network of human brains with AI to form a hive mind. And I think we really have to ask ourselves, hey, has the stage been set for this with the COVID-19 injection? I would, I would have to say yes. I mean, you, you can... You can even go back to how did Star Trek get everything like this correctly, right? Because they know the script already. There's a hive mind, the Borg, right? It's the same thing. They they knew these plans were laid back, you know, decades ago. That's how they come up with all these films to hit right on to what's actually happening. I mean, what you're laying out here, um, you know, I'm glad you discovered discovered this and in, 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 in are bringing it out because... It's just too hard for people to understand and believe that people would be so sick 
to, to thwart this on the world. Mm-hmm. But they're doing it, people. They've been doing it. Well, this go ahead. Uh, yeah, a couple thoughts um, that I that I keep going back to lately is um, when my my brother was in the military in the eighties, and he said that um, if you saw any technological equipment, you know, a tank, a rocket launcher on the news, that was thirty year old technology. Mm-hmm. That they they never show you what they currently have. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's thirty to fifty years ahead. So the reason they know what the future looks like is that they already have the technology. It's already there. It's in their possession. And they are just looking for the right scare tactic, the, the right fear event to unleash it on us. They have it already. They, yeah. they have everything they need, probably. They just Absolutely. need to, they got to figure out the way to, to herd humanity into their will. Well, you know, when building on that, you know, one of the ways that Nephilim hosts can create a hive mind is through graphene oxide. You know, graphene is, a, it's an amazing substance. You know, it's it's a single layer of carbon. It's one atom thick, but yet it's 200 times stronger than steel and a thousand times more conductive than copper. And it has this, you know, flexibility. And because it's ultra thin, you know, it's one of the leading candidates in biomedical advances, such as drug delivery and tissue engineering, you know, neural implants and, and, um, or excuse me, neural wires and brain implants. And so when you think about graphene oxide, you know, it's not only in the jab, it's in other pharmaceuticals, but scientists have also figured out a way to get it into our food. And even more alarming is it can be aerosolized, which means there's all sorts of environmental means by which we can ingest graphene oxide. And once it's inside our bodies, it becomes toxic when it gets activated by EMFs, such as radio frequencies, microwaves, and 5G. Now, one of the things that's important to understand about graphene oxide is it's considered a neuromorphic memorister. Now, those are some big words, so I'll break it down. And I've learned this from my scientist friend, Mitchell Florin. So graphene oxide as a neural memorister, essentially what that means is it's like this memory transistor. And so neuromorphic means that graphene oxide can self-assemble to form nanowires that act like brain synapses. So essentially it's like these nano nanobots or which are nano-sized robots. And then a memristor means that it can both save and process information as well as receive new signals, which means it has the capability of learning. Now it's already been um, discovered and proven that graphene oxide can cross the blood-brain barrier. And so given that it also is capable of self-assembling into these nanowires to form this memristor. What that boils down to is that graphene oxide can actually embed thoughts into our brain. And that is the ultimate in mind control. Now, the good news is that there are ways that we can detox um, from graphene oxide. And I want to share some of these because it empowers us. You know, we God always has a solution for us, no matter what they throw at us, right? And, you know, one of the things that's important in detoxing your body from um, graphene oxide is glutathione. Now, glutathione is produced naturally from the liver, and it's made up of amino acids, glycine, cysteine, and glutamic acid. 
So with glutathione, you know, it's important in having a strong immune system because it's involved in tissue repair and tissue building. So when we have high levels of glutathione in our body, we have a strong immune system. But when we have graphene oxide that's activated by EMFs and that builds up in our body, body and it actually overrides or exceeds the amount of glutathione in our body, that's what triggers the collapse of our immune system. So there are actually um, some supplements that people can take that will um, help promote glutathione production. And I want to share some of these and I take these. So N-acetylcysteine or NAC, vitamin C, vitamin E, curcumin and selenium. So these are all supplements that can boost glutathione. Now there's also supplements that can help aid in detoxing from graphene oxide. And these are vitamin D3, zinc, pine needle tea, quercetin, and activated charcoal. And I share these things because again, you know, we want to be able to be empowered. We want to rise up against the things that are coming against us. And we are triune beings, right? We're made up of body, soul, and spirit. And so here's a way that we can combat the mind control that's trying to come at us through our body. Um, but we also, what I want to do is equip us to know how to break free from mind control on a, on a soul and a spirit level as well. Wow. Yeah, this is so good. This is really good stuff. The um can we get back to the Federal Reserve again? I have sure. um I still want to make that connection and bring that all the way through the uh, the control of our of our currency, not our money, but our currency. And uh what the Federal Reserve how they're able to pull the wool over everybody's eyes over all these years and people still just won't believe it. Right. Yeah. You know, they um, they really used a sleight of hand and obfuscation to hide the truth of what the Federal Reserve is. So by using the term federal and by using the term reserve, neither one of those are true. Like you pointed out earlier, the Federal Reserve is not a government agency. You know, it's made up of privately owned banks and there's no checks and balances on the Federal Reserve. I mean, Alan Greenspan admits that, yep. you know, that there's there's nothing that can come against the power that they have. Well, and as far as reserves, the Federal Reserve creates money out of thin air. You know, they never had reserves by which to back what they create. And the Boston Federal Reserve admits that, you know, they say that, you know, when you or I write a check, it's based on money that's in our account. But when the Federal Reserve writes a check, it's creating money. So it's creating that money out of thin air. The other thing that I think is important that a lot of people don't realize is that the same year the Federal Reserve Act was passed in 1913, the 16th Amendment of the Constitution was ratified, and that allowed for income tax. Wow. Now, income tax is we pay income tax because we have to pay off the interest that was borrowed from the dollar bills from the Federal Reserve. And it's really a debt enslavement trick. And I use an analogy for people um, to kind of help them understand this. And it's, you know, if you picture yourself at a magic show and the magician pulls out of thin air, the first ever created $1 bill and he gives it to you and he says, here, you can have it, use it however you want but you'll owe me $1 plus interest. 
So now you're thinking to yourself, okay, if this is the first ever $1 bill, where am I going to get the interest or where am I going to get the money to pay the interest that I owe? So then the magician pulls out of thin air a second $1 bill and he gives it to you. So now you're thinking, okay, now I can pay the interest. But he says, no, you'll owe me $2 plus interest. So again, you're in the same predicament. Well, then the, then the magician pulls out of thin air a third dollar barrel. But by this point in time, you figured out that there is no possible way to pay off that interest. And that's because the, Fed, the product of the Federal Reserve is a debt note. If you look at the top of a $1 bill, it says Federal Reserve note. Well, a note is a debt instrument. It's an IOU. There's absolutely no way that we can pay the interest off on the dollar bills that we borrowed. But what our government did in 1913 is they said, we're going to allow income tax to help pay for that interest. And that's the debt enslavement trick. The other thing that people don't understand is that our banking system is built on a house of cards called fractional reserve banking. And what fractional reserve banking is, is the notion that, um, you know, you only keep a portion of deposits within reserves because not everyone will withdraw their money at the same time. Well, so the Federal Reserve set reserve requirements on most banks at 10%. So that means if I take $100 of my money and I deposit it into the bank, my bank only has to keep nine or excuse me, $10 of my money in reserves. They take that other $90 and they loan it out and they charge high interest on what they loan out. Meanwhile, they're paying me a measly less than 1% interest for the privilege of having access to my money. So that's yet another way that the banking system exploits us. And, you know, when we go back to understanding the roots of the Federal Reserve. And when Eve was deceived by Satan, that word nausea, meaning deceived, again, it has to do with usury, lending on interest, and to become a creditor. So the Hebrew word for deceive is to make someone a debtor. And that's what the Federal Reserve has done. And that's the Nephilim agenda from day one is to defile us, to deceive us, to keep us into bondage. And so that's some of the links to the Federal Reserve. Now I go way deeper, obviously in my book and even in my, um, my, my 10 part series on my YouTube channel. This is great. This is some really good information and, um, um yeah, go ahead. Outcast. Uh, Dr. Laura, do you, um, I, I have this overwhelming feeling that they, uh, when I say they, you know, those at the top, uh, the descendants of the Nephilim or those Nephilim hosts, they seem to be like, like in a panic to roll out things faster than they did in the past. Do you sense that too? And do you, do you have any theories of what's going on? Like, are they looking at biblical prophecy and they see something's coming? They see Christ's return is coming sooner than they thought. Do you, do you have any theories like that? Um, I do think that they're rolling out things faster. I mean, we're definitely in an accelerated period where they're trying to advance this Nephilim agenda. Um, no one knows the, the day or the hour when Christ returns. So they have no idea about the return of Christ, uh, just the father does. But they have, um, 
well, this, this goes into a whole nother topic, but um, just real briefly, they have had an antichrist ready in the wings um, as a result of the Hitler project from 1944. And so the fact that they have an antichrist ready means that they're sensing that we are getting to the time of the end times. But again, they have no idea the times that God has established. I think part of why they're um, ha- now having to rapidly unfold these fear-based narratives one after another is because so many people are waking up and they're starting to panic. And this is what I want to get to as far as how to break free from their mind control, because if I can impart this to people and they can tell people and they can tell people, this is what allows us to have victory and to overcome. And so I want to encourage people that you know, no matter how dark the caverns of mind control get, there is always a way of escape. And, you know, the creator, he designed our brains with this amazing capacity for neuroplasticity. What neuroplasticity is, is it's this amazing function of our brain that means that it's malleable and adaptable. And we actually read about this in Romans 12 too. I want to read this passage. It says, do not conform to the pattern of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So to understand what it means to renew your mind, it takes looking at what is the Greek meaning of the word renew? Well, it's the word anakinosis, and it means renewal, renovation, complete change for the better. I love that. And it comes from the root word anakinosis, which means to cause to grow up, to make new, to be changed into a new kind of life as opposed to the former corrupt self. So to me, that is so promising because what we can do day by day is we can renew our mind. Now, one of the things that I do is every day I put on my spiritual armor. I pray through each piece. And when I'm done, I actually pray and I say, Lord, allow my mind to bind to the mind of Christ. And it talks about, you know, in, in first Corinthians two eleven, it says for who knows a person's thoughts, except their own spirit within them. In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God, except the spirit of God. And later in that chapter, it talks about because we have the spirit of God in us, we have the mind of Christ. So when I'm asking the Lord to bind my mind to the mind of Christ, I want my thoughts to align with his thoughts. And the fact that I have the mind of Christ, I mean, that is a truth that I hold on to that gives me so much hope. Um, you know, especially as I research things that can be really discouraging, you know, very disturbing material, such as the advances in mind control technology. And so, you know, as we think about what I've mentioned um, thus far, you know, this at the core of the Nephilim agenda is the goal to strip us of our humanity. Well, in order for Nephilim hosts to hijack our bodies and turn us into hybrids, they have to hijack our mind first. And the good news is they cannot hijack the mind of Christ. And that is precisely why it's so important that we take every thought captive and we make sure it's aligning with the thoughts of Jesus. Now, I want to share a couple of mind control technologies that I'm a bit concerned about and how we can overcome them. 
So one of them is called Geno spirituality. And Geno spirituality is the intersection between uh, Geno, uh, excuse me, it's the intersection between genes and spirituality. Now, what happens is um, people find that uh, there's some people where healthy spirituality comes naturally for them because they are able to, you know, they have a unique way that their genes interact with the environment. Well, there's this interaction between geno spirituality and gene editing. And what happens is, um, you know, gene editing allows scientists to be able to engineer even the very beliefs that we have. And this is very concerning to me. And I want to lay out a couple of examples. So in 2004, a scientist named Dean Hamar, he uh, discovered the VMAT2 gene. And he discovered that it is responsible in part for our capacity to develop, to develop a spiritual connection with God. And he renamed the VMAT2 gene, the God gene. Now, what subsequent studies show is that if you alter this gene, it can actually reduce a person's ability to develop a spiritual connection with God. Well, as you can imagine, it didn't take the Pentagon long to figure out a way that they could capitalize on this. So in 2005, a year later, the Department of Defense developed what they called the FUNVAX, which stands for Fundamentalism Vaccine. And the FUNVAX uses an airborne virus to infect populations that are considered a high risk for religious fundamentalism. And this virus, what it does is it decreases the expression of the VMAT2 gene. Now, in order to um, decide whether or not this FUNVAX was effective, they looked at a couple of different behavioral indicators, one of which is could they see a decrease in attendance at religious activities with the infected population? And did they see an increase in expressed discontent towards God as measured by different forms of communication? So when you think about it, the Pentagon has found a way to alter our ability to connect with our creator. Yeah. Let that sink in for a minute. Well, I've also heard that, the people who have taken these mRNA uh, clot shots are also feeling the same way. They they feel that their spread, their connection with God is erased and gone. I mean, they've been reporting that for the last I don't know eight ten months. Um, yeah. You know, and you're talking about uh, you know I'm going back to you were saying about how they're trying to create their own version of a God. Uh, I would want to say particle, but that's what CERN has been doing too. Mm-hmm. And the the property where CERN is at, that's also a very um, oh, what's the word? Not not spiritual, but uh, well, I guess you it's, could say it, spirit. It, yeah, it's it's centered between ley lines, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's in right the there in the, in the center of a ley line that is one of the most important ley lines in the whole. Uh, you know, whatever you want to call this d- devolved uh, system that they're in, and. I'll, you know, they're always trying to, like you said, Dr. Laura, always trying to thwart God's creation, bring, yeah. bring, upon, uh, bring upon the end of the world on their terms, not on God's terms. It's like a chess game where they're, they're trying to constantly uh, negate biblical prophecy. Yeah. It's already written. The story's written. And they're trying to figure out a way to change it. Um, yes, because right. they does, know they lose in the end. Does, yeah. does, Jekyll Island, does Jekyll Island fall in a ley line, too, I would assume? 
I don't know. You know, that's a good question. I'm not sure if it does. That's a great question. You know, I'm telling Period. you, being there, it's it just, it's a beautiful place, you guys. It's not enormous either. It's not, it doesn't have this big metropolis city and everything. A lot of it is, um, is park land. But the building, uh, the part of the island where the, the the main buildings are and those houses that are around the building, the history is just crazy there. And, and going through those hallways and, you know, everything is, you know, the old school, um, uh, the high craftsmanship in, in the wood and the trim and the moldings and the fireplaces and all the dental molding that is in this, these enormous fireplaces in this building, you guys. And then the pictures uh, of the meetings, uh, you know, Rockefellers and Morgans and in and, and, uh Oh, some of the other characters that were there that night, those, those, those portraits are on the wall. They're on those walls well, there. They're, they're, they're building, they, what they're doing is they're exalting themselves. Oh yeah, right? sure. You know, God, yeah, it's definitely God will, a place of, it's an altar of offense, a place of false worship that just continues, you know, through the generations. Um, yeah. Dr. Dr. Laura, I'm having a great time. If, can you want to keep going? A little bit. Do you have yeah, time? I have. I probably have about ten more minutes. Perfect. Um, so I cool. do want to just kind of bring us um, through a little bit more to the here and now, and yep. some of these mind control technologies, but also how we overcome them. And so, you know, if you think about uh, just how, you know, one of the ways to break free from mind control again is to understand this the strategies that they use to hoodwink us and behavioral modification. You guys probably are very familiar with it is a strategy that's been used to shape the psyche of the American people for well over a century. And what it involves is is it involves, you know, um, giving out rewards for successive behaviors towards a predetermined goal. And then doling out punishments for failing to reach the desired outcome. Now, we certainly saw this in 2021, right? We saw, you know, for those people who dutifully got their their jab, they were rewarded. They were given free donuts, free beer, free lottery tickets. (laughs) Big Macs, yeah. Right, you know, travel privileges, in-person learning. You know, they could go to concerts and sporting events, all of this. But for those of us that didn't get the injection, you know, we didn't get the same rewards. In fact, in some circumstances, we were treated like substandard citizens. Well, this is classic behavioral modification. This is shaping the behavior of the masses using positive and negative reinforcement. And it's all by design. You know, Klaus Schwab in his book, The Great Reset, he writes, if the past five centuries in Europe and America have taught us anything, it is that acute crises contribute to the boosting the power of the state. It's always been the case, and there's no reason it should be any different with the COVID-19 pandemic. Well, fear is one of the most powerful drivers of mind control. And Nephilim hosts, they knew they had to create fear and panic in the masses to roll out their surveillance system. You know, there is no way under normal circumstances that Americans would agree to a surveillance system. But unfortunately, in 2020, we came under the spell of these mind control tactics. And it's really psychological warfare on the highest order. Yeah. I, I try and awaken people to the fact that we have been lured into a war of frequencies and it's a form of unconventional warfare. And if we recognize this, then we can rise above it. Now, I want to describe what I mean by a war of frequencies. 
So thanks to quantum physics, you know, we know that all matter has frequency. But not only does matter have frequency, emotions have frequencies. So for example, fear is one of the lower frequency emotions, whereas love is a higher frequency emotion. And since the outbreak of the virus, so many people came under the spell of the Nephilim host mind control tactics because they gave in to fear. Well, when you think about it, instilling fear in the hearts of the masses is a classic trait of the Nephilim and their giant offspring. This is what Goliath did. You know, he used fear and intimidation to paralyze the armies of Israel. And I think, you know, one of the greatest tragedies of the past two and a half years is people became incapacitated by fear. And then, of course, you have, you know, the propaganda machine of mainstream media. They know that a constant flow of fear based stories will keep the masses stuck in their primitive brain where they can't access rational thought. Right. You see, fear originates in the amygdala. And the amygdala is that part of the brain that's considered the hindbrain, the primitive brain or the reptilian brain. When we live in fear, we our ability to process nuanced information is impaired. And so what happens is we're just we're likely to more blindly follow others rather than use critical thinking skills. And so this is what they do. You know, we we see this with just with what came out this week, you know, um, in October of this year. The same cast and characters, the who John Hopkins and the the Gates Foundation, they hosted another simulation like they did um, in 2019 called Event 201. Well, this simulation was called the Catastrophic Contagion. And what they're doing is they're simulating another global pandemic, this time an enterovirus. And it's said to be, you know, more fatal than COVID-19 and to disproportionately affect children. Well, what they're doing is they're doing, they're letting us know what they're going to try in advance, but it's just another narrative of fear because they need that constant flow of a fear-based narrative. And what I want to encourage people with is that we don't have to give into fear. No matter what they throw at us, God has a solution for it. Amen. We just need to seek him. And for each of us, that solution might be different. And, you know, when, when we went into lockdown with COVID-19, it was right before Passover um, in, in 2020, And I was just spending time in prayer and the Holy Spirit showed me that he wanted me and my family to take communion at our front door of our home and to do a prophetic act and to take the, the, the juice representing the blood of Jesus and to put it on the doorpost, just like they did with the Passover lamb. And so we did that my whole family out on the front porch. We're taking communion. We had my mom who lives a mile away, but because we're in lockdown, we did it over the phone and she did the same thing. And what we were declaring is that sickness, death, illness would not be able to come into our home, that COVID would not be able to penetrate our home. And there's six of us in our family. Not one of us have had COVID. And I believe it's because we followed the strategy that the Lord gave us. Now, 
whatever, like I say, whatever contagion they try and throw at us, we do not have to walk in fear. God has created um, people with incredible brains. Like I know homeopaths that have remedies for everything under the sun. We don't have to fear and their remedies are not expensive. (laughs) Yeah. And so that's the good news. Yeah. Right. I love that. Yeah. We see uh, holistics here, ourselves in Michigan here. Yeah. Yeah. And so I want to unpack this word pandemic for a moment because it really, what it does is it, it highlights the psychological warfare that we're under. So if we break down this word, the root word is pan. And I mentioned this earlier, but pan is the name of a Greek God who was God of the woods and the fields. And it was said that Pan would make mysterious sounds in the woods that would create contagious, groundless fear in crowds and in people in lonely spots. Well, this is where the word panic originates from. It originates from this root word pan, as does pandemonium and panic or uh, pandemic. So when we think about pandemonium, It's a place of uproar and disorder, wild, lawless confusion. So you begin to see how this all connects. And so this is the psychological warfare. A pandemic releases fear and panic. And, you know, this this can occur naturally in the psyche of some individuals. But then when you add to it the accelerant of mainstream media hysteria, what you get is contagious, groundless fear in large swaths of the population. And that's what we saw. And unfortunately, we also saw pandemonium breakout in the form of riots. Well, this is the progression of the psychological warfare that's being waged against us by the Nephilim hosts. They release a pandemic that leads to panic, that leads to pandemonium. And once we understand that this is a battle of emotional frequencies, we can resist living in fear. You know, not only does prolonged fear weaken our immune system, but what it does is it drags us down to that lower emotional frequency range where the battle is raging. And, you know, our creator, he understands this about us. And that's why he warns us 52 times in the Old Testament alone to fear not. Fear not. I love 2 Timothy 1.7. It says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Well, we mm. cannot have a sound mind when we live in fear. We have to rise above the frequency of fear so we don't get deceived by all the lies swirling around us. Because remember, going back to the roots of the Federal Reserve and the Nephilim agenda, deception is the language of the Nephilim who are the seed of Satan. You see, Nephilim hosts, they are attacking humanity at these lower emotional frequency ranges to divide us. But once we recognize this, the good news is we can rise above it. And it's it makes 1 John 4.18 make so much more sense. It says this, there is no fear in love. Perfect love casts out fear. And so love can overcome fear. And this is what the HeartMath Institute has discovered as well. You know, they found that the magnetic field created by our heart is more than 100 times stronger than that which is created by our brain. 
So that means when we exude heartfelt emotions like love, gratitude, compassion, empathy, we literally can shift the atmosphere no matter where we go. We can drive fear out of the room. Yeah. And so I just want to encourage people, this is how we break free of this mind control. And we shouldn't be surprised. They're going to roll out one fear-based narrative after another, after another, but God always has a solution for us. Amen to that. Amen. You know, Amen. this is great, great information. Uh, and we always talk about fear not on this show. You know, fear not, you guys. I mean, we during all that, uh, Dr. Laura, during all the, the, the beginning of all that 2020 stuff, we were fearing not. I'll tell you what, hard. I mean, around here, they they declared a lockdown here in Michigan, but I I didn't abide by it. I kept going. I, had, I, I worked. I work outside. I own my own business. And I didn't do it. And my customers were so glad to see me. Uh, because they hadn't seen anybody. I was like, well, come on, I'm not scared. Let's go. Let's, let's, let's work. Let's, you know, I have stuff to do. I'm here for you. And, um, I never let it slow me down at all. Uh, I went, you know, whatever stores I went into, no mask, none of that stuff. I didn't, you know, even though they said, can you wear one? I said, no, I can't kept on walking. I don't even stop. Uh, fear, (laughs) fear not. I don't, I don't like to play these games. Um, go ahead. Uh, you know, Dr. Laura, um, saying something similar to what you're saying in a slightly different way. I live in a, um, outside of a metropolitan big city and culturally, uh, and I say that just like, it's like an inner city cultural theme. Um, being atheist or agnostic is kind of the, the, the order of the day. Okay. Nobody, I shouldn't say nobody, very, few, very small percentage of people are God fearing people in the city. It seems like everybody's kind of just adopted this sort of secular worldview. And if you notice, it was the big cities that fell prey to the fear tactics. So, yeah. if you, so the places that don't have God as part of their local culture were the most malleable to the fear mm-hmm. attack. Is that is that am I making sense? Yeah, that's a great point. Absolutely. Um, okay, I have a couple of questions for you. Before uh, <laughs> we have a chat room, uh, Doctor Laura, for the show, it's uh, on Gilded. And I put your picture, you know, those things that I've made and sent to you, those uh, those little posters that I create. <laughs> um, I, I put them in our chat room. I said, hey, if you guys uh, have any questions today for Dr. Laura, uh, put them down below. So there, a few of these came in. You might not be able to uh, answer them, but at least you can hear them, right? We have one from KW. He says, well, I don't know uh, the, Dr. Laura's history right now as expertise, but I wonder if she has any put on mass psychosis, if it's a real thing or not. Uh, and I think we kind of talked about that just now, the whole thing that was created in the last two years. Uh, and it, it is legitimate. It, I believe, uh, we see how it works. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I would say it is absolutely legitimate and fear, like I said, is one of the most powerful drivers of that. And so that's why it's so important that we don't give in to fear, just like you guys are saying. Yep. Um, Florida girl, she says, I want to hear about the roots of the federal reserve and how it ties to the Nephilim. I need to get her book. Well, Florida girl, if you want, you listen to this. Yeah. You don't have to answer this, Dr. Laura, because you already did. Um, but she's going to be happy knowing, uh, that we talked about all this stuff and uh, Florida girl, you'll be happy about this stuff. Uh, let me see. There's another one. Uh, it's K dub. He's talking about the term sheep, you know, like sheeple. Um, mm-hmm. typically used as somewhat derogatory term to describe people who don't have or use critical thinking skills from a psychologist perspective, how much of that is nature and how much of this is nurture. 
And with that said, do you see a way out of the path that we are headed towards regarding social media, uh, agenda media, the education system, et cetera? It's like 1984 is, in, is inevitable right now. That's a big yeah, one. Yeah, that is a big one. And yeah. I am running up against a time constraint where okay. I have to go. But yep. I would yeah. just kind of briefly say not only is nature and nurture involved, but epigenetics is involved as well. Okay. Um, and I I don't answer that question directly in my 10 part series, but I do dive into epigenetics. Um, but kind of addressing the critical thinking aspect. Again, going back to fear, if we open the door to fear, whether we've been taught nature, nurture, or epigenetics to critically think, an open door to fear brings forth all these problems that we, we will experience. We, we throw out critical thinking when we open the door to fear. And there could be kind of tying back to, um, you know, something we were talking about earlier, there could be generational patterns of iniquity in the family line where fear, fear of man, fear of death, fear of um, failure, those fears can run in that generational line. And I actually, on a different podcast, tell my own story of uh, breaking free from generational iniquity and the deliverance that I experienced being set free from a spirit of fear of death. Um, so I can't answer that question in a short way, but at least kind of offer something. Yeah, that's fine. I mean, that's that's a bigger question. And hopefully you will be able to come back and we can discuss this on another show. I'd love to have you back here. I mean, this has been great. So enlightening. And I can't wait for our audience to hear it. Um, Outcast, any any last words for Dr. Laura? No, I know we got to let her go. But no, just thank you so much for your time. You gave us a lot more than we were expecting. Um, I know that our listeners are going to be totally enthralled and spiritually enriched by your words today. Yeah. So much wisdom, so much depth. Um, we cannot thank you enough. You are an amazing uh, sister in the Lord, and we really respect you so much. Thank you. Oh, thank Amen you. to that. Thank yes. you for having me. And I maybe I can just mention where people can find me. Yes. Um, I know you mentioned my website. It's no longer enslaved.com. And then, as I mentioned, I have a YouTube and Rumble channel called No Longer Enslaved. Uh, my book is available on my website, also via Amazon. Uh, and then finally, I am on Telegram and Instagram under Laura Sanger 444 Hertz as an HZ. Yes. So people mm -hmm. can reach out to me there as well. So thank you so much for having me, well, guys. It was wonderful to be with you. Dr. Laura, thank you. I'm going to put all of your information in the description of the show tonight so everybody can go in there and click and find you and, and everything else. Uh, I found you on Instagram and, and all over the place. So um, once it's all done, I'm going to send it to you and, uh, thank you so much for, uh, joining with us here today. It's been awesome. Can't wait for the audience to, to dig into this. So it's been great. Um, and you have Thanks, a very guys. Merry Christmas. Thank you. You too. Okay. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye-bye. All right. Outcast. Was that wow. great or what? Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. our, our listeners are going to get their money's worth out of this episode. Yes. Yeah, so good. Wow. wow. I, I knew she was going to hit it out of the park with that stuff. You know oh, what? Yeah. There, we almost scratched the surface of it. Oh, for sure. You know, for there's, sure. there's just so much more that she talked about. You know, I was, I've been writing, writing things down <laughs> like crazy here. I've got a, a whole sheet full of stuff that I wrote down, but um, why don't we take a quick break and regroup after this? All right. 
Okay. Goodness. Okay. All right. Well, um, let me find something here. Something good for the people. Something. Uh, oh, here's a good one. This is pretty funny. All right. Check this out, you guys. I'll be right back on the other side of this. Remember, don't forget, share the show. All right. Dangerous Info Podcast. Share the show and become a subscribe star if you want. Be right back. Guy and a gal walk up to me and the, and the, the young gal goes, can I pet your dog? I said, well, first, thank you for asking, because it says, do not pet. And, and I said, sure, go ahead. So the girl's petting her, and the guy standing next to her, when she was done, he went to pet her. And I went, oh, I wouldn't do that. He goes, why not? I said, well, she's not really trained to allow men to pet her. And sure as I'm sitting here, he in a very loud voice with a lot of people watching goes, why are you judging my gender? And I was like, uh, cause you're a guy. And he goes, you have no right to judge my gender. And everybody's watching now. And you know, I'm the older white man who's a threat to America. And I can feel the eyes. So I just go, well, okay, man. Hey, okay. Better if you want. She'll decide what gender you are. <laughs> Broadcasting from a secret location near Detroit, Michigan. Jesse James and Outcast are on the run. Exposing the plans of the technocratic overlords and their political hand puppets. Stay safe out there, brothers. You're listening to the Dangerous Info Podcast with Jesse James. All right, you guys, welcome back. It's the Dangerous Info Podcast up in the house. Thank you, Dr. Laura Sanger, for visiting with us today. Wow. We're going to have to get back on the schedule, uh, Outcast, and um, I can see a lot of growth to this one. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, this, 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 she's she's got so much information. There's a lot of legs and a lot of spider webs to go down, and uh, you know, a lot of important ones too. It's so relevant to what's going on today. Well, you know, the, the, one of the unique things about well, I shouldn't say one of the, I mean, one of the things that I'm in awe. Of, let's put it that way, is her uh, talent for digging in deep into the research. Okay, she doesn't just. I mean, she, whatever she's looking into, she she investigates it to the nth degree. And uh, and you get a really intricate, in-depth look at whatever she's talking about because she's done so much back uh, research and everything. And uh, I'm not always like that. I mean, I, I'm good at getting a gist, an overview. Uh, but, you know, it, it, it takes a special talent to want to, like, you know, go to the Strong's Concordance and research, you know, the Hebrew definition, then go to another concordance to find out definitions there. And, you know, all the clues are there. You just got to know where to look for them. But like everything good, you got to dig. The easy stuffs on the surface, or, yeah. or the or the bad stuffs on the surface, it's <clears> the it's the truth and the gems that are beneath the surface hiding. Yeah, um, they just need anyway. to be they just need to be uncovered and, and dusted off a little bit, you know, and they'll they'll show yeah. themselves. Yeah. Oh man, I'm I'm still just a little jumping for joy after that. <laughs> yeah. I wish yeah. you I wish you were on this call with me, man, uh, to see her and to see yeah, that, I, the, the, it's so much easier to talk to somebody. 
because you know, I was I knew when she was wanted to talk, and I knew or she knew when I wanted to talk, just because of the way that you know our the body language is conveyed through, um, you know, through the camera. So yeah, man, we're, we're gonna have to set you up, get you set up with the camera, and um, and just do it because you know the, the people will love this too. They're gonna mm-hmm. have a good time with it. So yeah. Um, we, but, you're, but you're, earlier, earlier you did say that this is just scratching the surface. If if somebody's new to this program and, and this is new to them, they, they, the, there's enough here to be intrigued, but there's a lot more to learn yet. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, yeah. dude, we're, we're such a young show. I can't wait just to keep keep doing what we're doing. Uh, this is our second one this week because of the way it worked out for scheduling and everything. Um. And it, it's a little tougher. I got to tell you, it's a little tougher preparing for two shows um, in the same week. In one week. Yeah. Even <laughs> yeah. even though um, even though they're they're days apart. Um, so I get I give mad props, big props, and I didn't realize this until now. Uh, to to everybody out there that's doing a daily show. Um, yeah. To them guys out there hustling, doing daily shows. Uh, it, it's a full time job. I'm telling you. Even though we're on the air for you know two hours at the most doing the preparation the prep work all the audio all the video stuff you know when you throw audio or i mean video into this like i've been doing here in the last few weeks it really throws uh, uh my workload you know heavier it's just it's wild the way it works brother um and you know i'm 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 really good with the audio part of it but the you know throwing in the video part is a little shaky for me yet so i'm still trying to get used to my um no, what do you call it? The uh, the software that I use. So uh, it it only get better as long as we stay based, you know, and and have you know move at God's pace. That's all. I don't want to rush this thing. Yeah, it's got to be yeah. just right. But um, yeah. Oh man, we can do a bunch of typical stuff and go over a bunch of headlines. Um, or we can talk about other things. I mean, there's there's just so much going on. You, you know, we how about we talk about this just a little bit? Um, you know that guy that was that Ellen's DJ, right? He, yeah. He he was quote unquote suicide. Had you know did suicide the other day? Now we we talked yep. about this, and I don't believe that he did this himself. I don't know. I mean, that, I, 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 if it was just this, if it was just an isolated incident, it was just him. I would, uh, if there wasn't so much shade around Ellen, yes, um, and Anne Hache and that sketchy story. Remember when she they were like yes. loading her on the stretcher and she was leaping out of the yes, you know, and then they then they said she died. You know, I've got the video look, here. I played. You know, I've got that video and she jumps up and, she, and he slams her back down and puts a <clears> cover <throat> over. Um, but keep going, keep going. Yeah, no, no. I mean, if it was just randomly like, oh, this is this one thing, but. Then you go back and you look at all these episodes of Ellen mm-hmm. and they're t- talking about, you know, using uh, the foreskin of uh, children to do facial elixirs for, for youth serums and, mm, yep. you know, all the stuff. And, and then you look at the Wayfair story with, you know, Ellen DeGeneres pillow for $11,000. And I mean, you put it all together in a stew and man, is it shady. And um, it seems like more and more people like, like Kanye, for example, who are wanting to break free of, the, of their control system matrix. Yeah. Um, you know, it makes me wonder if this guy was about to come out with something. Did you? I, I, have you heard something? Because I haven't. Was he? Was well, he I, starting I to talk? Don't know anything about that, but I can tell you, he's probably, most likely, he's been, he's seen things or he's heard things. Uh, mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe he was just a little too close to Ellen. 
Um, maybe he was a little bit too close, too much on the inside. Now I got to tell you, uh, when this came out, I started sending it to, you know, Jen Joe, I sent it to my wife and stuff because they, I, I don't know if I'm not a watcher of that show. I only know of this guy because he was a, you know, DJ on the show. Um, I couldn't, I can't stand Ellen and, and all that stuff that she is, you know, she's involved yeah. with. Um, but I could tell that this guy seems like a very happy guy. And and just the other day on, on TikTok, he's got a TikTok account, I guess. My wife showed me his videos on TikTok. This guy is not, uh, uh, you know, he, he's very happy, right? This guy's a very happy dancing. He's got his kids, his wife there. Um, the Whoa. circumstances do not line up with suicide, you guys. Not at all. Now, you, you mentioned something earlier about this cycle of, I don't know, media or whatever, but... Um, what I'm witnessing right now, I think all of us who are thinking at a different level, different plane about this can see what's happening between, uh, like normies on social media right now. And then at the same time, the, the, the way we think about it now, I'm seeing normies, you know, some normie friends of mine who are, you know, posting this guy's photo all over the place and just talking about how sad and this and that. And that's, they're not even giving a second thought to who he's connected to mm-hmm. that doesn't even go through their minds while us yeah. in, in the people on our chat room we're like wait a second yeah it's sad okay but then we're looking at the circumstances he didn't leave i mean his car was still at home he's he's did he just walk they're, they're trying to say that he was found dead in a hotel well so that's, he walked to the hotel yeah his wife was um very <laughs> surprised to, to, to hear, you know, well, hang on, he's his car's here. And now he's over at the hotel. So um, weird. So weird. So I, I don't know. My gut thought is this is going to go really, really deep. They're going to try to hush things on it, or they're just going to try to push it along and uh, make it, you know, n- not cross any barriers and just kind of mainline this as a straight-up suicide Get the funeral done, take all the pictures, show all the sad stuff, and report on it that way. They're not going to say anything about all the connections to Epstein Island, the temple, okay, uh, mm-hmm. Anne Heche, and what she was into with all the, the, you know, making that child trafficking movie, right? They're not going to mention yeah. any of that kind of stuff. Uh, we can also go into, uh, what's that, Leslie Jordan? There's, uh, there's a Leslie Jordan connection to all this stuff, too. I mean... Dude, this is deep. This is not just a uh, suicide story. You know, they're going to try to keep it in that realm, the, the mainstream media, you know, and the, the establishment media. They're going to just keep their people in that bubble with what that is. But I'm telling you, these people out here are sleuthing that stuff out on the Internet and they're finding things. Yeah. You know, so it's going to get gonna, interesting. It is totally. It's going to get interesting. <laughs> and how strange was it? Remember, just before we got the whole COVID stuff thrown on us? Um, Kobe Bryant in that helicopter. Mm-hmm. Okay, now we got this guy. We have the cage uh, contagion catastrophe exercise they just did, and just a few months before the Kobe Bryant thing, they had the event two hundred one. I mean, everything's just seems like it's in replay. Yeah, just replay mode again, brother. Yeah. Um, you oh know, yeah. So so I'm just I want to <laughs> put all that stuff out there in the hopper. We could also throw into the hopper. Um, there's some strange things going up with our, our banking, you know, since we're sort of on the federal reserve type of thing, but banking right now, 
I got a call from somebody who's connected to the show today, and I think she's going to come on maybe next week and really break open what she finds because there's some stuff that's going on with the banking. Now, yesterday, the the Fed just, uh, you know, and Biden, they're so happy to announce uh, – the, the 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 market or the they raised rates right they just raised rates up to what four four and a quarter to four and a half now mm-hmm. so they raise rates again all right so all this plays into the hand of manipulated money you know whatever happened with that Sam, uh that bankman um idiot the Sam Bankman fried Friedman or whatever fried okay yeah with FTX and all that yeah okay our, our federal our federal uh you know, central banking and the Federal Reserve is nothing different. They operate exactly the same way. It's a big Ponzi scheme. And unless you guys know it and understand it, you you don't care about, it. you know, you're not going to care about it. But as soon as people understand that it's just a banking, uh, you know, a scheme, a pyramid scheme, it's all it is. Because they've taken all the silver and gold backing out of it. So it's just the only reason you guys are thinking about it or, or trust it is because, well, you had faith in it, I guess. But there's nothing there with it. There's nothing there between FTX, the same crap as the Federal Reserve. It's the same cabalist crap. Yeah. Yeah. What what a nightmare that this uh this digital currency could is gonna be. I mean, they could just turn money on and off at their whim. Yes. Just it's it's completely it's, diabolical. And I think they're going to do that. You know, they they're into the middle of that. Uh, that 12 week, you know, the New York Fed talking about that. Um, they're going to do that trial run of the central bank digital currency. You know, th- they're in the middle of that right now. So, you know, that's just another, you know, another heads up, you guys look out. And, you know, something else too, Outcast, is is kind of bo- bog- boggling our minds. Um, Trump's major announcement today of this trading card, the NFT trading card. Do you. Uh, I can't really shed light on this stuff, um, as far as what this this means. Um, I, I expect, and I suspect, there's going to be something. It's here's the major announcement <clears throat> from Trump. It says, "My official Donald Trump digital trading card collection is here. These limited edition cards feature an amazing art of my life and career. Collect all of your favorite favorite Trump digital cards, uh, very much like a baseball card, but hopefully much more exciting." Go to collecttrumpcards.com and get your own version. Only 99 bucks each. Make a great gift, a Christmas gift. Don't wait. They'll be gone soon. I I don't... There's got to be more to this. There's got to be more to it that, that we're be. not seeing on the surface. I agree with you. It's got to be because it's just, it's too ridiculous on the surface. Yeah, it says, okay, um, there's 45 of them. It looks like, yeah. Get, it says four, okay. buy 45 digital trading cards, <laughs> NFTs. So on the very simplest level, he knows that there are, you know, mega enthusiasts that will buy them. Yeah. And he's maybe he's raising money for his campaign or something. Uh-huh. Um, maybe it's a big distraction from something else. Maybe there are comms in those cards. Oh, that's what I'm thinking. Yes. That's the only um, thing I can think. Um, what, what, what makes me nuts about it, though, is I've spent so much time uh, defending Trump to my DeSantis friends. You know, and I, something like this on the surface could, you know, makes me look a little bad. <laughs> like, come on, this well, is a big announcement. Well, that's what I'm saying. Is, is this is this somehow tied in with DeSantis 
Um, hang on. Now, do you think that there, I mean, do you think Trump would be in on the fracturing of the, of the conservative party? I, I wouldn't think so, but you never know, man. Right. I, I, I just know that so either, but you, you never know. know yeah. The Santas is getting, um, surrounded by, by establishment rhinos. I don't like that. You know, so, so no, I, it's going to be, it's going to be, um, it's going to be interesting to see what unfolds. Yep. Yep. I, um, yeah, I've, like I said, I just was on, you know, toe to toe with an old friend mm-hmm. via texting, uh, defending Trump over, you know, cause he was kind of going down this DeSantis route and I'm yeah. like, so DeSantis is great. I'm not saying he's not great, but you know, let's, let's look at the big picture. And then, then this, this person was like, you know, well, you know, can you tell me what, you know, why do you think Trump would, Trump is good. And, yeah. and I'm like, well, let's go, <laughs> let's so look, look at the, the, the stellar, the stellar economy we had when he was there. I mean, he's been tried to, uh, yeah. I mean, I don't think we've ever had an economy that strong. No, we haven't. My, my, my stocks were going through the roof and yep. It was, yeah. it was, those were good old days. 2019 was such a good time, but, um, listen up brother. We're, we're pretty much at the end of the show. We're, we're over two hours okay. on this and I, I, I want to, yeah. Um, I want to, you know, say thanks to, yeah, we're going to have to wrap it up. Uh, we got another show coming up Monday evening. Um, what, who do we have for guests? I think we have uh, Chris Ann Hall, uh, JC Hall. We might even get, uh, Sean, Sean Brooks back. I got to talk to all of them and solidify some dates on those. But, um, I know Manny was talking about coming back in. Oh, I got to get a hold of, uh, we got to set up our thing, uh, with, um, Verita, Minister Verita, Compton Conservative. Oh yeah, we, we got to yeah. lock that in sometime. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe maybe you can work on that and try to hit her up. And uh, you know, if you guys in the audience have people that you want us to to try to reach out to, or if you can want to reach out to them to get us on our, you know, hook us up to, I, I don't mind any of that. You know, I I don't have a booking <laughs> agent. <laughs> We're our own booking agents, but we should we work our best and try to get what we can. And, uh, you know, a little bit of help here and there is always ex- accepted, you know, and, and um, praised. You know, we'll praise you for that, for sure. Uh, but, uh, off the top of my head, L.A. Marzulli would be a fun one to have on. Yes. Oh, he'd be great. And I want, I'm trying to get Jim Lee to get in here and we can talk about uh, cli- climate engineering. And, mm. uh, and there's another one, uh, David Dubine. Yeah, that guy. He's really good. He's all in that climate engineering stuff, too. And he has a website about that, too. So there's a lot of people I want to talk to. And then... Uh, these survivalists. There's these guys in Michigan, man, I'm trying to get a hold of, but uh, one in particular, and he, I don't know if he sees my um, <clears throat> my stuff or not, but dang, he won't get a hold of me. Uh, email, you know, I've been emailing. He won't return, so we'll see see well, how it goes, but um, listen, we're, we're small. We got a lot of growing to do, and, and we're not yeah. we're not scared, so um, we'll jump into it. Um, there, what is it? Uh, oh, Rumble. I want you guys to join my Rumble, all right? When I say mine, it's it's the show Rumble page. It's just started. Um, you've noticed that I put the last two episodes on there, the last two interviews with uh, uh, Dr. Uh, uh, Professor Robin McCutcheon and the last one with Good, pa- uh, Good Patriot Katie on Monday. And this one here today with Dr. Laura, that's going to go up too. I just have to you know, clean up the ends and put our, uh, put our intro and outro on there and it'll be done. So I'll, I'll do that either tonight or tomorrow. Uh, so you guys can watch that. And also on our, um, on our gilded or our chat room over on gilded, our private chat room for the show 
Um, I'm going to be putting those videos there too, so that I have them all lined up and you guys can see them and watch them and all the good stuff, you know? So we're, we're just, we're just getting started here, people. All right. That's what we're saying. <laughs> we need your help to keep it going. So outcast, why don't you give us, uh, what, what some good thoughts and some silver lining stuff that you have for, uh, for people as they finish out this week. Okay. So I just stumbled across this scripture. Uh, it's from Daniel, uh, two starting at verse 19. And uh, I'm just going to read it, and then I'm going to put some commentary on the end of it, how I see that it applies to, today, to today's episode. Uh, During the night, the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision. Then Daniel praised the God of heaven and said, Praise be to the name of God, of God forever and ever. Wisdom and power are his. He changes times and seasons. He sets up kings and deposes them. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the discerning. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what lies in darkness, and light dwells with him. I thank and praise you, O God of my fathers. You have given me wisdom and power. You have made known to me what we asked of you. You have made known to us the dream of the king. How I see this that applies to today's episode is, you know, as we draw closer to God, we're gaining more and more wisdom and insight to the complexity and the vastness of God's world, of the universe, right? Yep. We're, we're, we're having epiphanies all the time about how big and complicated but interconnected this all is. I keep saying that over and over again, it's interconnected. But, but those are the mysteries. I don't, you know, there's so much more to learn, but the closer we draw to him, it seems like the more is revealed to us. So if this, is str- if this episode is strange or unusual to you, mm-hmm. draw closer to God, dig in a little deeper, and it's going to start making sense. But just... <laughs> I'm just in awe. I mean, the God of the universe is so complex and so big and so uh, just, it's just amazing. And I can't imagine, I I can't believe how much I've learned just in the last couple of years. Um, My faith has been transformed. It's just unbelievable uh, when I look into this stuff. This is so, so, such a departure to who I was. When I look at my old self of who, you know, Jason was, uh, you know, I don't know, just even five, 10 years ago. Yeah. Um, I, I don't like that person. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm being transformed into the likeness of Christ and um, I feel it. And it, it's, it's a, it's a light and easy path. It's easier than I thought it was going to be. Um, uh, and I don't want to depart from it. Good. But you're the, a warrior. You're, you're a warrior of light. That's what we need. Well, you. We need you in this and, fight, brother. And these revelations yep. are, are just an amazing bonus to this whole thing. It's crazy what's yep. happening on this show. Uh, since being yeah. on this show, all these connections, all these people waking up to, to the light and to the Lord. Oh man! <laughs> it's, yep. Hey, we just yeah. keep, keep doing it. We're not trying to. We don't need to try to figure it out and dissect it. It's just happening. We're gonna keep letting it happen. So, you know, if if one person out there, a one of our listeners, is brought closer to God, and is given wisdom and discernment like they've never had before, that's the show's had its purpose, even oh. if it's just one person. <clears throat> yep. That's all it takes. One person will turn into 10 down the road. Cool. So I like, I like it. that. Yep. Yep. All right, cool. All right, brother. Well, listen up, man. Thank you uh, for being here and, and, and setting up this episode with Dr. Laura. Uh, you, that was you, your hard work behind that. And oh, she um, made it easy. She oh, was yeah. easy to work She's with. She's a great person, man. Great, great, great oh, to talk yeah. to. Great to chat with. She's funny and smart. Yeah. Um, she thinks just like us, I think on every level. I like it. Yeah. So I want to say thanks to, uh, also Dr. Laura Sanger. You guys go get over there and see her at no longer enslaved.com. 
And uh, all the links that uh, she, she told us about, I'll have them here at the bottom of the show. So you guys look in the description, look her up. Um, we'll try to get her involved in our chat room if we can. I always try to offer that to any of our guests. And uh, also, don't forget, you guys can always find me on social media, True Social, Instagram, Gab, Rumble, Twitter, and Telegram. So um, also, get on the mailing list, all right? Um, before they wipe everything out, we have to stay in contact with you guys. So um, check 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 out the uh, description there, and you can jump into our chat room, have fun there. Get on our mailing list. That way you can see all the stuff that we're into that we don't always post or talk about. So um, uh, Outcast, we need to hook up all your your links too. So you want to send me that stuff. If you, if you want people to follow you, you give them to me and I'll send them to you. So um, again, just thanks again for listening to the show, you guys. Uh, that's twice this week. I love it. It's a good time. So I'm Jesse James. He's Outcast. And as you guys go through the week, remember, stay bold. All right. Stay alert. And don't fall for all the government, media complex, propaganda nonsense they're trying to throw at you at every level. All right? There are solutions to all this stuff. All you have to do is act on those solution ideas. Get your game plan together, y'all. We love you guys. Stay dangerous, everybody. Stay dangerous, my patriot friends. The word smart, right? Remember when smart came along? Smart car, smart mm-hmm. phone, smart meter, smart watch, smart everything. People, you yep. know, I, I I knew right away when I first heard it, um, it was, you know, SM, S-M-A-R-T. People just think it's smart, like intelligent. It's not, okay? Smart, what it stands for, it's an acronym. Self-monitoring, analysis, and reporting technology. SMART. I had no idea. I'm going to repeat that again. Self-monitoring analysis and reporting technology. Okay. Wow. What this is, 